Welcome back to Couple of Criminals. This is Mariah. And this is Anton. And we are your average couple reviewing your not-so-average crimes. Today's episode is number 26 out of a 50-part series that will be based around a crime in each state in the United States of America and are in alphabetical order, which means today's case will be based on a crime in Montana. All right, Anton, let's hear your joke of the day and then take it away with the case that you selected. All right, Mariah. Why would a pig dressed in black never get bullied? Okay, say it one more time. Why would a pig dressed in black never get bullied? I have no idea. Because Batman has sworn to protect Gotham. Oh my. (laughs) That's a really good one. That's a funny joke. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I like that one. And I love pigs. Me too. They're so cute. And Batman. I know. Today we will be going over a serial killer case from Montana. Now this case really stood out to me when I was looking into cases in Montana. This is because it has a different outcome than each of the other cases we have done so far. The serial killer from Montana that we will be going over is called the Missoula Mauler. A precaution for listeners this case does involve minors and sexual acts. Our Mauler's early life goes a little something like this. He was born on October 18, 1955 in Missoula, Montana. He grew up in a mobile home with a father who was a trucker and a mother who was a waitress. Plus, he did really well in school. Did you look up where is Missoula, Montana? I don't know Montana very well. I didn't actually look up in what part of the state Missoula is in, but it's somewhere in Montana. In Montana, we would know. Well, it's not the capital, I can tell you that. Yeah, that's all that matters. (laughs) That's about the only thing I (laughs) can tell you about Montana. Just because you grow up in a good family and do well in school does not mean you won't grow up to be a cold-blooded serial killer. His first victim came when he was 18 years old. The date is April 11, 1974, and our killer seeks his first victim. Who better than a family friend? On this day, the Mahler goes to the home of Harvey Pounds. Now, Harvey wasn't home because he was at work at the Baptist Church. However, his wife Donna was home. Seeing how the the Mahler had been to the home before, he knew exactly where to go to find their gun in the home. He heads to the bedroom where he retrieves the gun and then ties up Donna. He then rapes her at gunpoint, leads her to the basement, where he then shoots Donna five times in her head. So was his initial target him or her? I believe it was her. Oh, so It never actually time. said, though, if okay. it was him or her, or maybe even both. Well, because it's possible that he knew that he was going to be gone. Yeah, but it never really specifically said if it was oh, okay. either just her or if he was trying to target both of them. Yeah. Now, when you think about it, To me, this is definitely overkill. Five shots to the head, and it was with a pistol, so still a little overkill, if you ask me. And clearly she was already being submissive with his demands. Well, as she was tied up. so that is an overkill. Yeah. Now, apparently a neighbor saw the killer near the house, but apparently the information wasn't good enough to actually connect the mauler to the murder of Donna Pounds. So the witness couldn't actually identify him? Yeah. The first person to be suspected was none other than Harvey Pounds. Why, you might ask? Well, we know he was at work at the time of the murder, or was he? It never said, but at the same time, he was in the middle of an affair. Without significant evidence, though, this, turn, this murder case of Donna Pounds turned into a cold case. This is when the Missoula Mahler's killing spree began. Five years later is when our killer struck again, so it would be 1979. 
The body of a teenage girl who was raped and then stabbed to death was found near Beaver Tail Hill. The girl was apparently running away from her home in Seattle, Washington. This would have been around 760 miles away from each other. That's a long way to run away from home. Yeah, and for a teenager who was only 15... In 1979, this seems a very long way, and it would probably take her a very long time. So hitchhiking is what we can assume, because that's in the 70s, I would so that assume was popular. hitchhiking and, I mean, just walking. She also didn't match any missing persons reports. So without an identity, she was listed as Betty Beavertail, because it was the area of the crime. So kind of like found. a Jane Doe kind of thing. But yeah. the interesting thing is, is even if they thought they had... A killer on the loose you wouldn't have known because the killer attacked two different kind of women and there's two totally different motives yeah well two different kinds of means of attack yes one was shot and the other one was stabbed it wasn't until 1985 six years later when betty beavertail was identified betty was actually a 15 year old named devana nelson it was again another five years later when the Mahler struck again. How did they? How were they able to identify her? I'm I'm pretty sure it was through DNA oh, okay. evidence and things like that. Maybe dental records. Yeah. The year is 1984, and the Mahler is now working as a bouncer at a cabin bar in Missoula. At this time, he was also dating a 16-year-old named Marcella Bachman. And how old is he, supposedly? He would be 28 around this time. That is a big age difference, and she is a minor. Talk about, yeah. 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 She would go by the name Robin. Apparently, this couple said they had plans to leave Missoula in September, but no one knew where to. They just wanted to start a new life elsewhere. The Mahler and his girlfriend? Yeah, his girlfriend, Robin. Yeah, that's the couple. Well, three months after they supposedly left, Robin's body was found in the woods of Missoula. Oh my goodness, so he killed his own girlfriend. Yeah. It sounded like when they found her body, the coroner was able to determine that she had been decaying for three months, so when they originally said they were going to leave, as well that she had been shot in the head three times. And did people know, like, was he witnessed with her? I'm assuming she... They knew that that that, was her boyfriend? Yes, I'm assuming so. so. That would automatically deduce that he was a prime suspect, right? Yeah, it didn't say, though, about but, if he I mean, was you or would not. Assume... You would assume that it was, yes. She was then named at this time as the Debbie Deer Creek because they, they weren't able to identify her until later. The police, like I said earlier, like to name their unidentified victims by the places of their crime scenes. It was reported that she wasn't actually identified as Robin until 2006. Oh my gosh, that's a long time. That's like 20 years. Yeah, just about. Now, it was only about a year until the Mahler's next victim. This victim also did not have a lot of information on how it happened or where it might have happened, but it was another unidentified body that was found. This identified victim was named Christy Crystal Creek and was found to be shot twice in the head. At least his killings seemed to be getting less overkill. Um, how did Robin die? She was shot three times. She was shot? Mm-hmm. That's what the coroner found out. So only one stabbing up to this point. One stabbing, correct. But it did seem like his killings were becoming less overkill as the number of bullets were going down. Well, and then the years are getting closer and closer yeah. together in attacks. So, this victim was identified 36 years later, just in 2021. 
And how were they able to identify her? Through DNA. Her name was Janet Lee Lucas, and she was from Spokane, Washington. Her last known location was Sandpoint, Idaho in 1983. Her body was found in 1985. And how old was she? Do we know? She was 23 when she was killed. And nobody ever, these people were never reported missing, or maybe they, they were. They might have been reported missing, but it could have been. tied to Montana. Mm-mm, not at all. And apparently it did say that she, the they don't actually know if the mauler actually killed Janet or not. They just found her body in Missoula with kind of this very similar. And around the same timeline. Yeah. And so, so they kind just of just assumed that it was, and we'll never actually know. Wow. Then, on December 12, 1985, the Mahler decided to go back to his roots of home invasions. Just this time, he did not invade their home. He just decided to knock on the door. The home belonged to Mike and Teresa Shook. As soon as the door opened, the attack started. This kind of reminds me of a Criminal Minds episode that I watched a little bit ago where the attackers would knock on the door and they would have a cat that had been run over or hit and they'd be asking for help and seeing if it was that person's cat and then they the couple would invite them in to like take care of the cat and then these people like these random people that you invite in the cat was already dead and then they would go on to kill the family and that's the exact same thing like you don't know who you let into your house if it's a stranger. honestly i wouldn't really invite anyone into my yeah. house as a stranger i know but he was not ever but invited. This was also he was in never the 80s, invited. Right? Yes, he was never invited in, though. Yeah, I feel like a lot more people are more cautious now. We have ring cameras and home security, and you're able to see the person before they even knock on the door. Oh, yeah. So, Mike and Teresa had just finished eating dinner with their three kids when they heard the banging at the door. Mike was then stabbed to death right away by the mauler with a butcher knife, right as he opened the door. Now, do you think of a stabbing when you think of a butcher's knife? No, because a butcher's knife is a massive knife. Yeah, I honestly think of more of slashing and ripping almost. I don't even know how you would stab. It must have been a very sharp knife. And a terrible way to die. Oh, yeah. And now he's back to using knives. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, back to the story. Soon after he finished with Mike, the mauler went straight after Teresa. And how many people are in this family? There's five total, so the two parents and three three kids. kids. He dragged her to their bedroom, where, of course, he proceeded to rape and stab her to death when he was done. Once done killing the parents, the Mahler decided to just light the house on fire to kill the three kids. So the kids were still inside. Where were the kids during the attack? Oh, I guess we don't even know. Yeah. Thankfully, though, authorities were able to get to the burning home on time to save the children. At the same time, there was nothing that was able to connect the Mahler to the home invasion or even give police the opportunity to get the suspect of who the Mahler was. Soon after this attack, the Mahler was back in the workforce, and everyone just kind of assumed that he would have just drifted away and out of everyone's mind. Well, are we to assume that at this time all of these killings have been connected to one person, or do we think they they're all never, one off? They never can were able to connect them until... We'll Later get to on. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Although he, of course, couldn't get away from his murderous intentions. It was just about another year later when the killer struck again. This time, the mauler was very infatuated with his manager's wife, Chris Wells. Oh, my word. And I think that's where 
we see escalation is a lot of these killers at first it's just like oh let's try it and then it escalates further and further until they're needing to do it constantly yeah and that's pretty much and do more and try new things and it's just so sad it was pretty much an addiction yeah pretty much it was just an addiction he just couldn't stop on september 3rd 1986 doug wells spotted someone just lurking around his house and who is doug wells that this is his boss oh okay. the mauler's boss okay to his surprise it was one of his employees and his name was wayne nance Nance said that he spotted someone else peering into the house when he stopped at the home of the Wells. All it took for Nance to attack was the turn of Doug's head. This is when he pistol-whipped him. Once inside, Nance forced Chris to tie up Doug, and then after, Nance tied up Chris. And Chris is the wife? Yes, Chris is the wife. And do they have no kids? Is it just the two of them? Didn't say. Oh, okay. Nance took Chris to the bedroom and then Doug to the basement. Well, instead of shooting Doug, Nance decided to stab him in the chest. When Nance thought Doug was dead, he returned to claim his prize and Chris up in the bedroom. Here is where it gets really interesting, though. Nance actually just barely missed Doug's heart, and so Doug was still alive. Apparently, Nance had missed by just an inch. Oh my goodness, so is he able to get undone? So, as Doug is bleeding out, though... He finds a way to free himself of his binds and grabs his gun. This is literally like a movie He scene. heads straight upstairs and shoots Nance in the side. This is then when Doug was all raged up and ended up bashing Nance's skull in. Oh my god! Sounds gosh. like it was a pretty one-sided fight with two guys that were very close to death. Because of the death of Nance, it gave authorities just what they needed to connect him to all the other murders. How? Through DNA. Oh, I see. Because he left DNA at every crime yes. scene. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he, raped raped just, every... he raped every single victim. Although, in all my research, it's still never confirmed if Nance, like I said, actually killed Janet Lee Lucas. Or if he had any other murders he might have committed in Missoula as the Missoula Mauler. Was there no DNA on her? It, it never specified. They still have no idea if he actually killed her or not. They just, like I said, they just are assuming it was him because it was very same like motive. Yeah. Two bullets to the back of the head or two bullets to the head and they found her in the Missoula area. You know, what's crazy to me is that that last attack literally sounds like a scene from a, like an intense movie. From a movie. And it probably all happened so fast. Like a Liam Neeson movie kind of thing where Liam Neeson is Doug. (laughs) Yeah. Now, this is the story of the Missoula Mauler, Wayne Nance. I have to wonder what would happen if he actually killed Doug Wells. Would he have ever been caught? Would he have stopped his murderous ways to live out his life? The world will never know. I just find it sad that it took so long for Janet to be identified. I mean, you must think that her family for 36 years were like kind of just... And really, where did she? Where did she go? What happened closure. to her? No, because they all, still don't actually know. Like I said, if he actually, actually killed her or if not. He did it. Yeah. yeah. And when was the year when this final attack happened? When he was it killed? was 1986. So he started in 1974. This, so it was 12 he went years on for a long time. Yeah. Well, like you said, though, his attacks they were five years apart at the beginning, and then they escalated. And then and they escalated, closer. and yeah, they started. 
I think he was starting to get sloppy. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, and he was wanting to get more attacks in, and because of that, he did get sloppy. I think he would have been caught either way. I mean, I feel like he eventually would have been caught, but who knows how many more people he might have killed. Well, and thankfully, we never have to know because Doug was able to take care of him. Yes, thankfully, thankfully for Doug Wells. Yeah. That is a crazy story because it does. It ended way different than a lot of the cases we go over. Yeah, I know. Like I said, that's why... Where the person is killed by a victim. That's why when I started reading this, I was like, wow, this is crazy. I was like, I don't think we've covered anything where the victim ended up... Or the victim ended up killing the 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 killer. And then they were able to connect it to every single other one, pretty much. And I I think that's the great thing is, is with the advancement of DNA, because he left his DNA on so many women, I think it was just a matter of time where they connected him. But we also see where... Cold cases go on for a long time because a perpetrator's DNA never gets in the system, and so they're never able to tie. Yeah, like some of those ones that are like until it's like familial history is connected. Yeah, like a very old DNA sample. Yeah, or you can branch out to like an aunt or an uncle or cousin. That is crazy, but that's such a cool way that it ends because he paid for what he did. He did, yeah. I mean. At this time, though, still the death penalty, I believe, was still a thing. So even if he would have been caught, yeah, yeah. if he would have been caught, he most likely would have ended up. I mean, he definitely would have gotten the death sentence. Yeah, yeah. Unless for some reason he had a plea deal where it was just life in prison, but it's still a death sentence in my book. Yeah, and in this case, he just got a death sentence in a different way. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to Couple of Criminals. We will see you back here next week where I will be reviewing a crime from Nebraska. Until then, this is your couple of criminals signing off.